Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Sean, joined today by the trailblazer, the pioneer, the legendary Christy Martin. Christy, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day, very early in your day, to sit down and speak to us. I'm excited. Um, you know, it's always happy. I'm always happy to talk to my my friends and fans on the on the other side of the pond. Well, we've got a demographic, as I was saying to you before we started recording. Actually, half of our listeners come from the USA, so it would be great for them to to be hearing this and hearing you come onto the podcast and talk about your book, which is primarily why you are on the podcast today, is to talk about your new book, which it is currently out in America. It's called Fighting for Survival, My Journey Through Boxing, Fame, Abuse, Murder and Resurrection. Yeah, the book, it was um, very exciting to do. It was, uh, it was difficult at times. But Ron Borges, who, if you're a boxing fan, especially from the 90s era, you know who Ron Borges is, uh, one of the best, if not the best, boxing writer uh, of our era. And he he just contacted me, and he's like, Chrissy, what do you think about this? What do you think about us doing the book? And, and it made me laugh a little bit because I knew Ron Borges from the early 90s, the early part of my career, when he was 100% against women's boxing. So as we talked and, and we, we got together in Daytona Beach, Florida before one of my fights and, and we just hit it off. I mean, we were, we were, we're a good match. We're a good team. I remember for life and it was, he was easy to talk to and, and no judgmental, you know, anything I said to him, he was like, basically, I get it, you know, uh, so, so it made it easy. And we, we talked for hours and hours on Zoom and, and in person. He visited my hometown in southern West Virginia, uh, got to meet my family. So so I think that his the way he was able to put the words on the paper 
he he truly understood what I was talking about because he he put the time in to to go to these places and go see who who I am. Well, it's really great that you've got a book coming out in here in the UK. We've not got it yet. It is coming out a little bit later on this year. We'll obviously mention that at the end of the conversation. But it's fantastic that you've now been able to encapsulate your life story into this book. And for me, as a book reader as well, as a podcaster, I always find that you actually get more of a true-to-life story from the books themselves. And the amount of books I've got on fighters from yesteryear, you always seem to find all these little stories that you don't find on maybe documentaries or TV shows or or even on the internet and even on literature that's wrote online. You don't seem to find it. And I think this is what is exciting about your story is it's well documented. You've had the documentary which came out on Netflix last year, which was recorded a couple of years ago. And, you know, it, it encapsulates certain moments in your life, but I don't feel it's told that true story. And, and for people that may have already read the book, you'll have already been able to get a gauge of what Christie's life was really like. But I'd like to know sort of in your own words, Christy, about like the stories that you went through, the the memories that you had to dig up, some of them pleasant, some of them not so pleasant to be able to to put this together. You know, like I said, there were uh there were very fun days, days that we had lots of laughs and, and Ron being a boxing person, we know a lot of the same people. So our stories uh overlapped in some we were at the same events and I and there was so much positive and so much happy stuff uh, unbelievable things that happened during my boxing career what I, I refer to as like in front of the camera but behind the scenes um you, you know I I truly lived in hell and and no one no one knew I had to protect myself uh from Jim Martin because he told me from day one, I mean, before I left him, he would kill me. And it didn't mean, it didn't matter, you know, if I was leaving him for a person or, or just if I was leaving him, he would kill me. And so as, as my boxing career grew, um, his, his hold on me got tighter because I loved boxing. I loved boxing and I was getting so much, I was having so much fun at my job. I mean, it was hard, hard work to be a professional boxer. But I loved it. I mean, I was traveling all over the world. I was, I was meeting famous people and athletes and, and actors and, and just, and being around Don King. I mean, Don King, love him or hate him. I, I love him. He's the world's greatest promoter. He, he, he did more for boxing than, than any has ever done or ever will do really because he kept, especially for women's boxing, because had he not given me the opportunity that he gave me, where would women's boxing be today? Would it even be today? Um, so uh, there were there was so much positive and so much fun stuff that we talked about. But then there were the hard days. There were the days when we talked about, obviously, we talked about Jim killing, trying to kill me and and um, uh, stabbing me, shooting me, cutting me up, leaving me for dead. How I, by the grace of God, was able to escape that night. So those days were hard. Those days were hard. The days where we talked about the cocaine abuse and, and, um, you know, Jim's kind of screwed up sexual stuff that, that he, uh, insisted that I do. It was like I was his private performer if I wanted the cocaine and listening that's been addicted to cocaine or any other drug. 
you know that you get to the point of you'll just about do anything. And sometimes you'll do anything to get that next high. And, and that's really where I was. It's interesting that you mentioned that. And, and, and obviously, I wasn't going to primarily focus on that particular moment in your life. But recently watching that documentary, obviously, I know how heavily these things are edited and how things are not always incorporated or, or missed from them. But the one thing that I took away from, from that moment and that, that description of how that night and, and the aftermath played out in that was that after they'd interviewed him for that documentary, I didn't really see a shred of remorse within him. And it was just really, like, strange to see that from an individual. Like, I did what I did and that's that kind of thing. And it was like, really? You know, even all these years later, there's not a shred of remorse within you as a person, like, of what's happened and the way things have gone down. And that was one of the biggest things I took away. So with that in mind, when you've put your book together with Ron, is the detail of that particular night, the, the, the aftermath of that, is it more in-depth than what the documentary portrayed? Oh, absolutely. I mean, as we talked about it, the details, every detail is, is in the book. And, I mean, it's broken down to, to almost like minute by minute and how things happened. And, uh, you, you know, even the prosecutor told, I told the prosecutor this, this attack lasted for an hour. And he said, Chrissy, there's no way it could have lasted for an hour. But I, I, so finally they checked the phone call that I was on when the attack began and the 911 call. And it was like an hour and four minutes. And, 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 and Ryan, the prosecutor he was like, how did you know? I said, well, I knew because when the attacks and when it stopped, it was dark. So I knew how much time, you know, I knew that time had passed. So, but, but in the book, I mean, we broke, broke it down into, to every everything every 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 little thing that led into that that moment because i i felt like it was so important for people that are in these situations this is the whole reason i mean i always say god left me here for a reason and that reason is to talk about domestic violence so people sometimes say why do you keep sharing your story well i'm doing what god left me here to do because the more i talk about domestic violence and the more that people can relate to whatever situation it might be that I have been in, they can realize I have to get out. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be next week. But I don't know when that time is going to be. This person is going to snap. He's going to flip. And then he's going to also try to kill me. Or And maybe he's not even going to try. Maybe he doesn't mean to kill you, but he's going to beat you up so badly that that he's going to injure you permanently or maybe he will kill you um, you just can't take the chance you have to to leave these situations genuinely it's been a pleasure to look back on your career in, in the lead up to doing this interview with you and looking back through some of them special moments throughout your career which I know will be encapsulated within the pages of of that book so it's exciting to know that when it does land here in the UK or, you know, if we can get it from the US, which I know you've mentioned we can, it's exciting that there are people out there now in the sport in this generation that because the way has been paved by yourself and, and those that have then followed you, there is a lot more people in a situation where they look to people like yourself and people that have followed you to to see, you know, what what did they go through? How how did they escape that that hell that they was living in on a daily basis? And by sharing the story which you've done 
and now put into the book, it's allowing people now to be able to sit back and actually think about things from a different perspective. And I think, again, that's why I champion books so much, because I do feel like you can actually get a real true picture of this individual's life and, and times, as opposed to it being encapsulated into like a, a one hour documentary. I don't think it really portrays everything that goes on inside and outside of, of the life of an individual. So you sharing this story is, is, is amazing for, for everybody out there. And it's, it's also really inspiring for people as well that now they can pick this up and they can read it and go, you know what? I knew Christie's story was inspiring, but I didn't realize how inspiring it was until you know, I've looked into this. So as well as sharing that story, you must get a huge sense of satisfaction, you know, knowing that there is something there from from your life, from your story, something that now you've left behind that you're able to then feel maybe a little bit of peace, maybe knowing that the, even if you only helped one, maybe two people, that you've done your job. You know what, Sean? Absolutely. Um, and at first, at first, when I woke up from the hospital in the hospital and said, you know, God left me here to, to make a difference. I was like, I was okay with that. If I could touch one life before I leave here, then, then I have, will have done my job. And then I thought, no, I want to touch one life every day. And then I will have done my job. So that's why I'm on with you today. You know, I, I do interviews every day that that I possibly can. I make appearances. I'm out there sharing my story again, talking about domestic violence, because I really believe there's so many people that like me, you, you're going down that, that road and you don't always realize you're going down that road until you're so far down the road that you don't know how to turn around and get back. And that's where I want to make people aware, pay attention to the little things. You know, we can easily pay attention to if somebody physically just beats the crap out of somebody. But but just the little verbal insults, put downs financially, that can be domestic violence, verbally, emotionally, isolation. You know, I, I started to look around like I had lots of friends and then I started to look around and all of a sudden I have like a handful of people and all of those people really had been vetted and picked and chosen for by Jim so they could be with me. That's not friends. I wanted to touch on another particular moment, really, with, with yourself. And it's in, in the aftermath of your boxing career. Now, it's obviously well documented. Again, for those that don't already know, you did come back into the ring on two separate occasions after that horrific night occurred. And you've spoken about it so greatly and so so much detail so I'm not going to run over it again but what was interesting to me is how you wanted to keep yourself within this sport not only to to help people within this sport but actually to be able to nurture them and move them forward in your career you your early career obviously you were fighting for for peanuts until you got to that position and you literally fought your way there to get yourself in that glamorous position eventually but I know and I can tell from everything that you've ever said about your life and your career, you can tell how much of a struggle it was to get there in the first place. But now you're in that position where you're the one being able to help pave the way for future stars of the sport. So you've got your own promotional company, which is has been going for a little while now. And I've obviously been following it through, through other people that I know in the sport. And I thought it'd be a great opportunity to talk about that while you were on as well and, and, 
for people that don't know about your promotional company, just really give them a bit of context of how it all came about, when it all came about, and what it is you're looking to achieve out of, of being a boxing promoter. Well, uh, we started Christy Martin Promotions back in uh, 2016 and actually started it as Pink Promotions because I didn't want to put my name to it. I didn't want to put my name to it because I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it to be about my fighters. Um, and then after conversations with lots of people in boxing, they're like, Christy, you're missing the whole boat. You need to put your name to it. So that will help it uh, with credibility, marketability. You have to put your name to it. So, so I did. And I, I've signed a few fighters. Boxers are not what they were in the nineties, in the seventies and eighties. You know, it's a whole different mindset now with social media, especially. Um, so it's a little harder. <clears throat> I think it's a little harder finding that guy that's just, um, just hungry, just that dog in him, you know, that, that, that will fight it all costs. I'll fight anybody. I want to be champion. I want to be the greatest there that's ever done this. Um, that mentality, I'm not sure exists right now, but what I want more than anything is to take that ride with some young fighter that I had and, and, and be there to support them and, and kind of show them the ropes and show them how to get there and, and, and how to slow down and smell the roses as you make that journey. Um, I, so we'll, we'll see. I'm actually going to start doing some work with Marshall Kaufman, uh, King's promotions. Uh, so we'll see. I work with my, my old buddy, Don King, some step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer. He can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything. Now you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And that's a great honor to to work with Don King. Uh, he, we actually share a champion, a cruiserweight champion, Johnny Langston. So I, I'm in I'm in boxing. It's it's what I've done my whole life, and it's what I know. It's who I am, and and it's a great platform, as strange as it may sound. Boxing helps me promote my domestic violence awareness. And the reason it helps, a lot of people don't see the, the correlation, but it's the most of those kids that are in the boxing gyms that are also seeing 
domestic violence at home. It's those kids that are in a not the perfect home life that are coming to the boxing gym. And when they're at the boxing gym, they need that family. And that's what I feel like any boxing gym I've been in, it's like a family. It is. You're right. It is like a family. And having that environment and creating that environment for up-and-coming fighters, it, it works wonders for, for quite some of them. And it's some interesting points that you made about the what you perceive the current mentality to be in the sport at the moment. And I, and I feel that it's a lot of it is, is been created by the, the birth of obviously social media and, and the way that has impacted and also facilitated the ability for people to get involved in the sport that wouldn't necessarily have had a sniff within this sport 20, 30 years ago. And it's, it's facilitated people in the wrong sense to be involved in the sport of, of, of what I've found. So you get people that are genuinely out there to, to try and help fighters achieve something within their lives, even if it is just to make a difference in their life or if it is to be the champion of the world. But then you, you have the negative side, which you always have had with this sport, which is you will get people that are, are there only for their own either financial gain or for, for generally just their own gains. And it's it's great to hear when former fighters come into the sport and actually make such a difference. And that difference that you're making now is, is inspiring people to, to, to probably work harder and, and be better and be a better individual. So it is really nice to hear that, you know, you've got the ambitions and you're really humble with it. And I suppose like being a promoter, one of the things that, I would want to do myself if it was me would be to sort of like you say guide someone from sort of rags to riches you know get somebody who walks through that gym one day who's who's literally got nothing maybe has come from a, a really really difficult upbringing and to be able to take him to that promised land and, and to be able to put him in a financially fantastic position in their lives would you say that would be one of your dreams to to do that with somebody oh absolutely I mean to make to 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 make a champion to to uh, help some lead someone to be a champion and and for them to understand that that I was a small part of that. I mean it all, it all comes down to the fighter really. Are they willing to sacrifice? Are they willing to be you know the three days dedicated discipline? You know I, I, that's the problem. These guys they don't want to miss a birthday party. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You, you don't want to miss your cousin's birthday party. Do you understand what the sacrifices that I made to, to be a champion, to, to be on those Mike Tyson pay-per-view cards promoted by Don King, all those really cool things you, you have to sacrifice. And, and um, these young guys, so many of them, they don't, they don't want to sacrifice. You know, they don't want to miss a meal. My goodness. Are you kidding me? So it's a tough road, but hopefully we'll pat we'll we'll connect connect with that one special fighter and and make it to that uh, championship level. I want to put that green belt. I want to put that WBC belt around a champion's waist. Something that I'm really interested to know from you, Christy, would be you're considered to be a pioneer in female boxing. That's period. You've been inducted into the Hall of Fame as a result of what you've achieved in your career. It's well known. But this current day and age, again, it's changed so much. There's so much that's allowed to happen, so much that's been facilitated by by technology and social media. And it feels like in the past 10, 15 years, the females that have come through the system via maybe amateur boxing and possibly the Olympics have started to really create their own evolution 
So you've seen recently Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano, and now you've got Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall, and then you're on the same card, you've got Michaela Mayer and Alicia Baumgardner happening here in the UK in London. Thinking back to your day and the struggle it was just to get on big cards and getting on that first big pay-per-view, the Mike Tyson-Bruno pay-per-view, how much has things changed and, and what do you think about the evolution of women in this sport now? Well, I, I I actually had been messaging with Amanda Serrano before before a fight with Katie Taylor, and and of course, I I wish her good luck. But I told her, the weight of women's boxing is on both of your shoulders. Everybody's you know that's tuning in. Um, there's there's a small percentage. I hope it's a, I hope it was a small percentage, hoping for failure. And those two women went out there and fought. Hopefully it's the fight of the year. You know, I hope that they get the fight of the year uh, because that was that kind of fight. They sold out Madison Square Garden. And and I don't know how you guys view Madison Square Garden over there on your side of the pond. But over here, Madison Square Garden is the mecca of boxing. And so to sell out Madison Square Garden to have the the thousands and hundreds of thousands of pay-per-view buys that they had. So many eyes on them and they delivered. They delivered. And you know, as I tell people, I don't care who you were, when you walked out of the building that night, when you turned your TV off that night, I'm gonna bet you not one person said that was a good woman's fight. They said that was a good fight. And to me, that crossover, that crossover, uh, at least for those two ladies' career, they have, you know, they've gone into that, we're just fighters. And that's what I wanted to always be looked at. I just wanted to be a fighter. And then I felt like uh, Gogarty and I did that way back in the day in 1996 when we got the opportunity to fight on the Tyson undercard. And we carried the banner for a long time as the best women's fight. But they, I sent Gogarty a message that night and told her we had been surpassed because they did it. They did it. And with that excitement, hopefully it encourages more little girls to go to the gym. And plus, they got paid. I mean, bottom line, that, that has to be one of the reasons. I know it was one of the reasons I would tell women to stay amateur. Because as an amateur boxer, at least you have an opportunity to fight more often. Um you're not really going to get paid as a pro anyway. Stay amateur. Get busy. Stay busy. Use boxing as fitness. Uh, but now it's different because they got paid. My understanding is Michaela Meyer and Alisa are getting paid. I mean, if you're going to get paid, it's worth it. It's a different, it's a different ballpark now. It's massively changed, hasn't it? That the money's there. And you know, the one thing that really intrigues me, but also makes me laugh in the in, in the same breath, is the fact that you can actually make better fights in, in the women's divisions than we can in the men's divisions now. Like it always seems like now the fighters in the men's divisions are, are there's always a reason why they won't fight each other. It's always down to contractual disputes, per TV promotional issues. There's always something going on, but. Before we know it, in the space of, of, of what, six months this year, we've got three huge fights. Amanda Serrano, Katie Taylor. Now we've got Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall, and like you say, Michaela Mayer and Alicia Baumgardner. I think that's huge. I think that's a, this year to me, if this ends this way with these three fights, 
and we didn't see any more this year that was as significant as them. I think this has been a huge pivotal year in, in the sport. And people, as you rightly pointed out, and I said the same thing on our podcast after Taylor Serrano, was that people shouldn't just be viewing them as, as female fighters or a female fight per se. It should just be viewed as a fight because you go there and you look at that and it's just two people getting in the ring, two human beings getting in the ring regardless of their gender and putting on a level of skill which is is equal, if not better, than some of those professionals that are males. And for me, it was a it was a it was a pivotal moment in boxing, where I feel like there's now been a bit of a shift in perception of of how the average boxing fan views female fighters, rather than just saying, "Oh, it's women's boxing." You know, I'm not really interested in it. Or I see some people on social media; they have their own, obviously, ten pence to say about it, and they have their own comments and opinions, but. I'm starting to see that that tide change just a little bit. Is that something you think is now happening as a result of of what's being facilitated? I, I think that is what's going to happen if we continue to put the best against the best, and and then people are going to start saying, "Hey, you know, it doesn't matter, male or female, we're fighters." And that was that was with me my entire career. I wanted people just to look at me as a fighter, not a female fighter. That was the obvious part. I want to be a fighter. And that's what I think that Serrano, Taylor, they did that. They did that for themselves. They're fighters. And now we have two other very big fights with the, with both, both poor fighters have the opportunity to, to elevate women's boxing, continue the elevation of women's boxing, but also of their, their personal careers. And if we go out there and see, you know, two more knockdown, drag out great fights like we just saw in the garden. I mean, how can people not start to take notice and give respect to women's boxing? A couple of final questions then for this episode. The first one, focusing still on the sport inside of the ring. And I'm interested to know like, what your thoughts are. Again, I've mentioned social media about three times now, and the reason for it is because of what it's facilitated. YouTube is another thing that's facilitated people crossing over that want to be boxers. Sometimes you kind of see it as just a bit of a charade. Uh, but some there's some legit people out there that have come from from the world of YouTube that actually want to be professional boxers or want to transition into that side of the sport. And I'm starting to see more and more of this happen now, and people are actually starting to to buy into it. Uh, and given again the way you've come up, which wasn't an easy way, I'd like to know what your perception is on that. <laughs> the social media starts is a tough one. It's a tough one because look, if you can figure out how to get paid, good for you. I'm, I, you know, good for you. If you if you get it, you can get people to buy in. All about it. What makes it hard is when I have this young fighter, you know, down in Florida, a fighter that I'm able to pay thousand dollars, maybe three thousand dollars for a fight, and he's busting his butt every day and has a real job. And then you turn on the TV and you see these YouTubers. That have never fought before. He has a hundred amateur fights, my fighter. Yeah. These guys have never fought before. You know, they maybe have five, five tough man kind of YouTube fights making hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. It's a tough sell for me to tell this kid all I have is $2,500 to pay you. So I, I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, and people say, well, but they're talking about boxing people talk about boxing yeah yes it is but are they talking about boxing in a positive way and are they talking about 
real fighters? Are they really talking about our sport? I mean, I, I think I just read yesterday that uh, 2028, no boxing in the Olympics. I mean, where has our sport gone? Where is it going? And right now, more than anything, we need a superstar. I mean, and I get it. We, we have some, we have some deep, really good fighters, but we need a personality. We, you know, we need, um, we, we need a Muhammad Ali. We need a Mike Tyson. We need a Sugar Ray Leonard. Floyd, Floyd was a different kind of character. You know, you, people hated him as much as they loved him. Same with Ali. Same with Tyson, all of them. But we need a character. We need a personality. We need a train to drive boxing right now. And I don't think we have it. And I think that's hurting our sport. Yeah, I mean, Christy, thank you for obviously your your sort of analysis of what YouTube boxing sort of means at the moment to yourself. And, and I've felt a similar way. I know a lot of fighters here in the UK that are in similar positions to fighters that you promote that work full time. They go to the gym in the evening. They do that seven days a week sometimes. And yet, obviously, there's people that can just walk in and transition because they've got a celebrity sort of status or you say celebrity very loosely, they've got this status somewhere else where it allows them to facilitate this opportunity. And now I know some of them do say, oh, well, you know, I'm trying to bring other fighters up with us and use our platform to bring other fight fighters up with us. That part of it, if that does happen, if they do do that and they bring other younger fighters up as a result of, of them being, a, you know, well-known by the demographic across the world, then fair enough because it does help the fighters get paid some, but nine times out of ten, it is really for their own status and their own financial gains or or whatever it may be. So sometimes the intentions behind these YouTube boxing events are, are very difficult to stomach and it must be even more difficult to stomach, as you've said, for someone like you who's in that position where you are promoting fighters, putting on shows and, and how difficult that can be making sure everything's correct, the venues are correct, the medicals, the officials, making sure the fighters are paid, etc. I understand the inner workings of the sport, so I appreciate that it can be very, very difficult at times for for promoters who sometimes don't even make uh, a money on the show. Sometimes they even lose money on the show as a result of of, of these things happening. As uh, as most promoters understand and appreciate, so it's it is good to hear from you, and I can understand the apprehension behind it so i'll move on from that conversation and finalize our conversation because we're here to talk about your book predominantly we've we've you've dropped a few bits of information throughout the course of the episode and the interview and i suppose what i'm trying to get out of you now for the people that are listening that are interested in reading this book if they've not done so already to try to try and sum this book up what would you say people will get out of reading this you know what? This book is is totally the underdog story. You know, I'm a I'm a coal miner's daughter from Southern West Virginia, of a town of maybe like 500 people. And if if I can if I can make it and get out the top of the boxing world, I if I can do that, a professional boxer. I mean, there was no path for me to follow, so I really did have to create my own path. Uh, if I can do that. Dream big. My dad used to always tell me, um, you know, dream big. If you got a dream, dream big. And, and, and that's what I did at some point. You know, I just, I started to dream about Don King being my promoter, never in a million years thinking that he would be. 
so so I think that is number one that you can take away from the book. But but it touches on so many different things: domestic violence, sexuality, cocaine addiction. There, there's just so many different relationships that it, it it touches on in the book. So I think it's a great read. I think that anybody and everybody that reads the book can find themselves in a situation. You know, somewhere in the book, one of those situations, one of those times, oh yeah, this happened to me. And, and hopefully it, it'll give them a little inspiration or if, um, you know, this is how Christy dealt with it. Let me try it. Or if she can get up off the floor, I can too. And that's a pretty good way to, to summarize the book. And it's, uh, really looking forward to, to, to reading it myself. I'm really excited to, to carry on that journey that I've been on following your career and, and, looking at the literature and the, the the Netflix documentary that's out there that we've mentioned earlier and also of course the the promotional journey that you're on with the fighters that you have at the moment so it's exciting to to see where things are going now at this point of your life when it comes down to boxing so you've mentioned it earlier about the book being available it is available in, in the US obviously it's much easier for you for anybody buying within the US to post it but International wise, I know that they need to be on the website, the Christy Martin Promotions website, and they'll need to contact you directly if they want to purchase the book because you'll be able to sort out uh, the shipping separately. But then there's, there is the alternative that I have mentioned earlier. Uh, Amazon UK, for anybody in the UK listening, can actually get a pre-order of this book now. It's on there. It's at £19.99. pence. It's due out on the 24th of August. So if you want to pre-order it, you can get on there and do it. But I know, Christy, I, I noticed on Facebook that there was a few people mentioning it on your post about the book that you've actually personalised it for a few people. So... For people that are listening to this podcast, like the, the the hardcore boxing fans that listen and tune in, that would you be able to do something like that for them if they was contacting you through the website? If they if they contact me through the website, christymartinpromotions.com, I am personalizing every book that is purchased through the website. Um, of course, if you get them through Amazon, they're they're being shipped to you from Amazon. But if you go through my website, I am signing and driving them to of myself now for people that want to follow your promotional career uh, is there certain facebook pages instagram pages that they can do that on all that stuff i'm not i'm not great at social media but christy christy mark promotions is all over uh we're at we're on facebook uh, instagram twitter I, I maybe some of those others i'm not sure but we're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna start even creating a bigger presence on on social media i'm working with the gentleman right now to to make that happen for me i'm old so you know i don't really get the social media stuff it's a pleasure having you on thanks so much for coming on and and speaking about your book and giving us a little few tidbits about what to expect from reading it and and just answering a few of the questions that i've had about the current state of affairs within the sport and as i've said off the air i've mentioned about you fitting the profile for for one of our shows or two of our shows in fact the career profiles podcast and the darker side of boxing podcast so there's there's two elements there that we said we're looking forward to working with you on uh to, to tell certain elements of these stories uh, once again for the people that may not already know them so i am excited to work with you again in the future and it's been a pleasure having you on this podcast absolutely thank you so much and i will see you soon
Sports Social Podcast Network.